Welcome to The Coin Club, a podcast brought to you by The Seven House Coins Currency Bullion, where we discuss everything related to numismatics. I'm glad to have you along with me for my journey and excited to share with you the very best of numismatics. Friends, coin collectors, hoarders, roll hunters, stackers, and everyone else in our not-so-little community. Welcome to episode 23 of the Coin Club Podcast. I know it's been a while since we've been together, so I know you've had the time to look back through and listen to your favorite episodes. I've said it once and I'll say it again. There's a ton going on in the coin collecting community right now, and I'm glad you're tuning in to learn about it here. The news portion of this episode will be a little on the long side. Since we've been apart, there is much to fill you in on. I'm going to continue to head south to give you the World Coin Spotlight and this week's roll hunting tips and reminders will take us back to the beloved Lincoln Scent. Why the Lincoln Scent, you ask? Simple. It's affordable to search through, it's widely available, and regardless if you're a seasoned roll hunter or a newbie, many of us search through the scents. If you have a particular denomination that you want to hear more about, please send me a message on Instagram or Facebook or an email at sevenhousecb at gmail.com. You can email me directly on my website or find links to all the pages on there, www.sevenhousecb.com. We've listened to the history and storied pasts of the Morgan dollar, the U.S. two-cent piece, the Ike dollar, and the Susie B. dollar. And on this episode, we're going to take a look at a coin that takes up one single page in the Red Book, a coin that none of you have ever gotten in change or used to purchase regular goods and services and is a denomination that is no longer used in U.S. coinage, the 20-cent piece. Thanks again for coming along with me on this episode of the Coin Club Podcast, and now, on with the show. follows the products from the United States Mint knows about the cancellation of the 2022 Morgan and Peace dollars and has also heard about some of the grumbling that went on and about why it was canceled. A lot of collectors of the popular dollar were not happy about it and probably didn't believe the reason that the Mint gave us. They couldn't get their hands on the planchets. Well, do me a favor. If you're a subscriber to Numismatic News and you haven't gotten around to reading your April 19th issue, Pull that bad boy out and check out the article written by Patrick Heller called When It Comes to Buying Silver, Mint's Hands Are Tied. It's going to dive into exactly what you need to know and cover some very interesting tidbits of the info that you may not have been aware of. You heard it here on the Coin Club podcast first about the Ukrainian metals being produced by Le Monet de Paris to help aid in the relief efforts for the Ukrainian people and now 
Numismatic News also released an article that another limited edition medal is being commissioned for the same purposes by the Jewish American Hall of Fame. It's designed by former U.S. Mint sculptor and engraver Jim LeCarrots. It's a three and a half inch art medal priced at $150. Total mintage on these is $199 and will be made with a limit of three per person. 100% of the profits will go to the Ukrainian people. For all you coin collectors out there that are also gamers, particularly the old school Sega Genesis kind, you'll want to head on over to Appmex and check out their exclusive Sonic the Hedgehog collection. Starting around $30, you can find a plethora of different options available for sale in one ounce silver rounds, colorized silver rounds, and they can even get you a one ounce gold round for all you high rollers out there. Atmex is also featuring a release that will appeal to all you baseball and cartoon fans out there. The ever-popular Peanuts cartoon characters will be featured on these rounds and available exclusively through their site. Something that has always been on my radar have been tokens and medals, so if this is an area of interest for you, you'll want to be sure to head on over to Heritage Auctions and check out their May 16th Certified American Tokens and Medals U.S. Showcase Auction. Some of the most popular items up for bid are an 1860 George H. Lovett New York token, graded MS-62, a 1909 Alaska Yukon Pacific Exposition gold piece, graded MS-65, an 1861 Scott CSA token, and an 1876 U.S. Centennial International Exhibition Medal. PCGS has a lot going on right now. Head on over to their website, www.pcgs.com, to check it all out. Currently, their May-June 2022 Rare Coin Market Report is out. You can find some really interesting reads in there. It features a new era for PCGS Rare Coin Market Report, Jernigan's Silver Lottery Medal, Collector Spotlight on Tony Littlejohn, U.S. Modern Commemorative Coins Turn 40, and the coin of the issue, Classic Gold Quarter Eagle and Half Eagle Rarities. Stax Bowers in Pontario's recently held their inaugural Hong Kong Rarities Auction. The auction brought in just shy of $27 million, and the top coin was graded by PCGS, a 1911 pattern long whisker dollar graded PCGS SP63+. It brought a whopping $3 million, a record for the most valuable world coin sold by an American auction firm. There are currently seven news articles on their website for the month of May, and they just about cover something for everyone, from Lincoln Cents to Sheldon Varieties to Star Wars coins. Head on over to the website and check it all out. The United States Mint hasn't been slouching with their new releases either. Since the last episode, they released the 2022 American Eagle 1-ounce silver proof coin on April 14th, which is currently unavailable. The 2022 Congratulations set, also currently unavailable, on April 26th. We saw the release of the American Innovation $1 coin 2022 rolls and bags for the state of Vermont. May 2nd saw the release of the Zachary Taylor Presidential Silver Medal. May 5th was the 2022 Kennedy Half Dollar 200 Coin Bag and 2 Roll Set. And last but not least for the month of May will be the release of the 2022 American Buffalo 1 Ounce Gold Proof Coin. This one will be minted on a planchet of 4 nines fine 24 karat gold at the West Point Mint. 
Minage limit of only 16,000 coins will be made with no household limit on ordering. Reminder, if you sign up for the Mint Enrollment Program for your favorite coins, you will get free budget shipping on all of your enrollment orders. If you know what you want ahead of time and enroll, it's a great way to save a couple bucks on something you're planning on purchasing anyways. If you're unaware of what qualifies for an enrollment order, I'll run down the list here real quick for you. You can enroll in the following programs. The American Eagle Coins, American Innovation $1 Coin Program, American Women Quarters Program, Annual Mint Sets, Kennedy Half Dollars, Native American $1 Coins, Those Ever-So-Popular Christmas Ornaments, Presidential Silver Medals, and Uncirculated Coins. As far as circulating coinage goes, if I read their output correctly, to date, in total, they have produced a little over 5 billion circulating coins. The Denver Mint leads the way with 2.7 billion coins minted, but Philly isn't far behind with 2.5 billion. Head on over to their website, www.usmint.gov, and take a look for yourself. <laughs> Let me know if I read that correctly. If you're a young numismatist and you've been listening to this or know of one and you think they might be interested in a job with a mint, they're hosting a virtual event on May 25th with a free workshop to prepare young college students to navigate the process. You must be 14 years of age or older and must pre-register on the website. Spotlight is taking us south to a country on the northern part of the continent, Guyana. Its northern border is the Atlantic Ocean, the east by Suriname, the south and southwest by Brazil, and part of Venezuela on the west. Their capital is Georgetown. The official language is English, and they have a population of around 743,000 people. They use the Guyanese dollar as their official currency. Paper money is printed and maintained by the Bank of Guyana, which is the central bank for the country. Banknote denominations are in 20, 50, 100, 500, 1,000, and 5,000 denominations, while coins are minted in 1, 5, 10, and $100 denominations. Well, while these denominations are the ones currently minted, the denomination we're going to feature today is the 1976 50 cents commemorative issue, the 10th anniversary of independence. Remember back on a previous episode when I told you there's a good chance that whatever your interests are, they'll be featured on a coin. Well, this is one for all you bird lovers out there. The reverse of the coin has a gorgeous image of the Hudson bird, which is the country's national bird. Sitting on a branch, the bird hovers over the denomination prominently featured on the left of the coin, 50 cents, and above it the word creativity. The obverse of the coin has a helmeted and supported arms with our people, our most precious asset, around the edges. Bank of Guyana and 1976 on the bottom. The coin was actually minted at the Franklin Mint in Wawa, Pennsylvania in the United States. The proof version in this year had a mintage of 28,000. It is on a round planchet weighing in at 7.5 grams, is 26 millimeters in diameter, and 1.85 millimeters thick. It is a copper nickel, non-circulating coin. It is minted in matte, proof, and special uncirculated issues and was minted from 1976 to 1980. 
pretty neat coin and one that should appeal to all you bird watchers out there. have a ton of different errors and varieties to be on the lookout for, and I've mentioned a few of them on the show before. Here are five more to be on the lookout for, and I'll keep them all 1982 and up, especially since the Copper Lincolns are getting far and fewer between and change, at least in my area they are. The first one to be on the lookout for is one you're going to need a loop for, and one you'll have to train your eye to find. It is the 1988P, reverse of 89 Lincoln Cent. Turn the coin over to the reverse and check out the designer's initials to the right of the memorial. Particularly, you want to look at the G in the FG. The normal, no extra value coin should show a straight vertical leg on the G. In the sought after coin, that part will have serifs on it. Kind of fancier version is the easiest way to describe it. The chances of finding one are very small, so what you need to do is find yourself an 88 Lincoln and an 89 Lincoln, and look at the points I described above to find your two varieties to look for. Once you see what I'm talking about, it will be very easy and a quick look while going through those scents, and if you find one, send me a pic. I'd love to see it. The 1984P double die Lincoln Obverse scent should be put on your list. Check out the ear on this one specifically. It is very evident that there is a second ear on this one, and it can be seen without magnification. Now be careful. Before I knew what was going on with errors and varieties, it's easy to mistake a hit on the coin or a little machine doubling at the bottom of the lobe for the true double die at 84. Check out some photos online to be sure that you'll never miss it if you do come across one. 1982P has a double die reverse to be on the lookout for. The easiest way to spot this one is to check out the E Pluribus Unum. You'll probably have to get your loop out for this one, although if you have great eyes, it's probably something you can see without magnification. Clear doubling on the letters is visible with this one. I can't remember if we spoke about this one before on the show, and if we did, it's even a good reminder. The 1995P Lincoln Scent has a strong double die obverse that you can catch with the naked eye. It's actually the first one that I've found while roll hunting. Particularly, you will see the doubling very strongly in the Liberty and In God We Part on the obverse of the coin. The last one we'll go over is the 2009 Lincoln Scent Formative Years. The one where Lincoln is sitting on a log reading a book. I like to look for the Wexler's DDR2 double die scent. Take a look at his hand and just below the thumb you'll see a very prominent doubling. It looks like a big old second thumb sticking out. Pretty easy to spot with the right tools. As always, I wish you luck on your hunting journey and hope you find some cool and interesting things. Please share them with me if you do. I always love to see what the listeners find while roll hunting. For a very short time, Four years to be exact. The United States Mint struck a coin that some of you have in your collections and some of you may have never come across in your travels. The United States Liberty seeded 20 cent piece was a very short-lived coin in the grand scheme of mint production, lasting only four years. They were minted from 1875 to 1878. 
As short as the run of this coin was, the story has little more to it than that. The United States government thought they had a need for a 20-cent piece more than one time. The first time we see the proposal for this coin come to fruition was back in 1791 and then again in 1806. Both times the proposal made its rounds within the powers that be and both times it was rejected. The Senate thought it was a good idea in 1806 as it passed through their chambers successfully, but the House rejected it. There was still enough passion for the coin that was proposed again in 1807, passed by the Senate, and yet again rejected in the House. The Mint director at the time, Robert Patterson, opposed the coin, so I'm sure the weight of his opinion carried through the House, hence the rejection. As the years went by, many things were happening in the United States that led up to the next introduction of a bill by Senator John P. Jones of Nevada on February 10, 1874. When we take a look back, it wasn't just one reason that the nation wanted a 20-cent piece. There were multiple arguments for it. The first has been stated that there was a shortage of small change out west. Base metal coins were not favored in the west and they just didn't circulate. Everyone preferred their silver and gold. The San Fran Mint was making silver half-dimes, and they were being used at the time, but that supply was dwindling because they were being used in the jewelry trade. The public's biggest complaint was that they couldn't get change for something they purchased for a dime and paid with a quarter. Nickels were around. However, like I said before, there was no precious metal value in them, and the public out west didn't like them at all for that fact. Special interest usually played a role in the production of coinage back in the day, particularly the mining tycoons, and this coin was no different. Congress was feeling pressure from them to get this thing rolling. The way things worked back then, the mines would deposit bullion into the mints, and that would then be struck into coins and sent back to them. In the years leading up to the Coinage Act, the price of silver was up, so the volume of deposits went down as they were selling through other avenues. The Coinage Act of 1873 ended this. However, there was a smart man at the Mint, the director named Henry Linderman, and he knew with the construction of the Transcontinental Railroad complete, this would open up floodgates and the miners out west would now have a greater accessibility to the rest of the nation than ever seen before. He spoke to Congress and asked them to end this practice, and they did. Less than a year later, the prices being paid for silver took a downturn, and these miners needed another way to sell their silver to the government. The lobbying pressure from these organizations was mounting, and Congress was feeling it. The last prominent reason for wanting a 20-cent piece in circulation was so that we could align ourselves with the Latin Monetary Union and bring our coinage weights into the metric system. Senator Jones got his ducks in a row, getting approval and endorsement from the Mint Director, Henry Linderman, and pulling favors from his other friends in government. The bill was signed into law on March 3, 1875 by President Ulysses S. Grant. Most of the time, the Mint Directors could see the writing on the wall in regards to new coinage, and this one was no different. Shortly after the bill made its way to the floor for approval, Linderman gave the direction to make a pattern coin. August of the year 1874, James Pollock, who was the Philadelphia Mint superintendent at the time, sent a couple patterns over to Linderman for his careful review. The obverse on one of these was a seated liberty, which was designed by a local Philadelphia sculptor by the name of Joseph Bailey, and the honors for the reverse of that pattern went to William Barber, the chief engraver. 
Proud of their design, Linderman ended up rejecting this proposal pattern coin due to the seated Liberty looking too much like the other designs on all of our other silver coinage at the time. He didn't want to have the public mistaken for a quarter. A few more pattern coins were sent over with other designs on them. One of them had a reverse designed with a shield, however this was a no-go because there was a law stating that an eagle must appear on any denomination of silver coinage larger than a dime. Scratch that one off the list. The final approval for the coin gave the honors for the obverse design of a seated liberty to Christian Gobrecht and the reverse design of a left-facing eagle to William Barber. The go-ahead was given on April 12, 1875 to proceed with this design. Right away, the approval was taken back due to a design correction that needed to be made. The olive leaves needed to be better defined at the right end of the branch on the reverse. It happened quickly and the approval went through again on April 15th. The first 20 cent pieces to roll off the minting machines were in Philadelphia on May 19th. The Carson City Mint followed production startup closely on June 1st and the best guess on the San Fran Mint start date was somewhere between June 1st and June 17th of that year. Can you venture a guess as to what happened when the 20 cent piece was released to the public in circulation? You're probably right. People were confusing this coin with the quarter dollar. The size of the quarter dollar comes in at 24.3 millimeters and the 20 cent piece at 22 millimeters. One other step was taken to try and alleviate the confusion. The rim on the 20 cent piece was smooth and the quarter was reeded. Despite these two small steps to differentiate the two apart, the public was not happy with the new coin. Oh, I forgot to mention that the reverses were almost identical to each other. So there's that. In July of 1876, legislation was put forth to Congress to abolish the widely unpopular coin. It did not pass, to many people's confusion, especially since the public hated it. The Mint, however, was convinced that the coin would not last and there was no point in continuing with production. Shortly thereafter, Linderman decided in March of 1877 that it was time to melt them down. He authorized 12,359 of the coins to be melted at the Carson City Mint. The death of the 20-cent piece happened on May 2, 1878, when Congress said enough. It is said that a third of the circulating coinage mintage was melted down. With all that melting going on, a true numismatic rarity was created. The 1876 Carson City 20-cent piece. All in all, there are less than two dozen examples known to exist. The mintage numbers are as follows. 1875, Philadelphia Mint cranked out 36,910 circulating coins and 2,790 proof coins. The Carson City Mint gave us 133,290 circulating coins and the San Fran Mint 1,155,000 with only 12 proofs. In 1876, the Philly Mint decreased their production to 14,640 circulating coins and only 1,260 proof coins. The Carson City Mint with only 10,000 circulating coins and nothing from the San Francisco for this year. 1877 saw the production solely at the Philadelphia Mint with coins only made for collectors. 510 proof coins were minted and the same went for the last year of the run. 1878 with 600 proofs minted at Philadelphia. 
All in all, it's a pretty nice coin, and if you're trying to put together a typeset on the cheap, you can still find ones out there in the very lowest grades in around $40 to $50 range that would probably be acceptable for your set. The sky is the limit for these, though, as the rarer ones fetch hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Coin Club Podcast. I was really glad to have you along with me. Remember to share the podcast with your friends. Visit and follow me on social media. You can find all those links at www.7houseccb.com. Feel free to email me your questions or comments. And as always, I hope to have you along with me on the next episode of the Coin Club Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Coin Club Podcast. I had a great time with you today and look forward to sharing with you on the next episode. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider supporting me on Patreon at the Coin Club Podcast. Please follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook at the Seven House Coins Currency Bullion and also on Instagram at the same name. You can also go to my website, sevenhouseccb.com and give me some feedback on this episode or some suggestions on what you would like to see on future episodes. As always, I'm grateful to all of you for your support and look forward to seeing you the next time on the Coin Club Podcast.